Let's take our Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms, and uh, we'll go to Psalm 84, Psalm 84 tonight. I appreciate uh, the songs that we've, that we've sung so far uh, this evening, and just some of the things that were even mentioned uh, when we were talking about prayer requests and, and things of that nature. The reality is that in life, there are always challenges and there are always trials and and seasons of difficulty and it seems like uh, many folks in our church here uh, recently have been going through different difficulties and challenges whether those be health related or uh, losing loved ones uh, or maybe there have been needs in your family or or financial difficulties, or whatever. It just seems like a lot of people are struggling uh, with, with circumstances and, and challenges. And the Lord has recently just kind of directed my attention to Psalm 84. And I want to read the first seven verses of this psalm here tonight. It says, How amiable are thy, are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth, for the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still be praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, whose heart, in whose heart are the ways of them. And notice verse number six. It says, Who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well, the rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Verse six again. It says, Who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well, the rain also filleth the pools. Now, when you read those words, it may seem to you, I don't know, maybe you've read that before and just kind of glossed over that and, 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 and moved on past that. But at some point several years ago when I was reading this, it just kind of struck me. This was a, a particular valley, the valley of Baca, that I'd never heard of before. I hadn't seen it elsewhere in scripture and I began looking into where is this valley of Baca that the Bible is talking about and actually that word and 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 uh, there are commentators and, and those out there who uh, maybe disagree on this some think that this was a literal valley somewhere in in Israel others think that it's more symbolic but that word Baca is a word that denotes weeping and sorrow and often it's used actually and translated that way in scripture. It's translated sorrow or weeping. And, and, and sometimes it's even used in uh, kind of in a way to describe trees that bend over. And you think of a weeping willow where the, where the boughs come out and the leaves hang down. And, and just looking at a weeping willow kind of reminds you of that emotion of, of, of heaviness and sorrow and difficulty. And that's what that word is talking about. And so whether or not this is a literal valley that was referenced here, I'm not sure. 
but it does seem to, to, in its context, be dealing with the issue of someone who is walking through a time or a period in their life that is difficult and, and is a struggle and, and a time of burdens. You know, when, when you consider the subject of valleys, usually when we talk about a valley, we're, we're not talking about when you say, I'm going through a valley in my life right now, that's not usually an indication that things are going real well. If things are going well, you say, I'm on the mountaintop. But the valley is that place of, of difficulty and struggle and place of burden that you walk through. Valleys, and a couple of things about valleys here. First of all, valleys are a place of trial, as I mentioned, a place of difficulty, uh, think of Psalm 23 in verse 4. It talks about the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, that's not a good place to be. <laughs> and, and, and yet, it, isn't it interesting when you read the 23rd Psalm, all the things that are taking place there take place in a valley. As, as he says that the, that the Lord is, is leading him beside the still waters and, and, and making him to lie down in green pastures and, and all of those things. Those things don't happen on the mountaintop. They happen in the valley. But, but the valley is a place of difficulty, it's a place of trial. And the reality is that every one of us in, in different points in our lives are going to face these valleys. We're going to face these difficulties, we're, we're going to face struggles and burdens and, and maybe even times where it seems as though the Lord isn't listening and isn't hearing us. As I was reading some things about uh, about these these trees that could be described as, as as weeping trees. One of the things that was mentioned is that over in the Middle East, one of the places that trees like that tend to grow are in very dry and arid places. And I thought that was a, a real interesting description because quite often it's when we are in these valleys and trials and struggles that it, it seems as though we're all alone. And maybe intellectually we understand that we're not, but it can seem as though that we're praying for things and, and pleading with God for things, but he's not answering. Or we, we can open the Bible and read it, and it just doesn't seem like the Lord is speaking to us and answering us. And, and that can be a, a real trial, but valleys are, are places of trials. And then secondly, I would say this particular valley spoken of here, as was mentioned, is a place of tears. It's not just one of, of difficulty and struggle, but, but one where there's sorrow associated with it. And, and quite honestly, when you walk through a, a place like that, as many of you have here in recent days and, and suffered heartbreak, and uh, as you've had to say goodbye to, to loved ones or friends or family, or, or as you've maybe had some diagnosis from the doctor that hasn't been good or or whatever, you maybe spent some time in tears and, and weeping and pleading with the Lord. But it, it's interesting here that in verse number 5, it says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. And verse 6 says, Who passing through the valley of Baca. In other words, it is possible even in a place of trial and a place of tears to still be blessed. To still be able to say that God is good and God has been good to me. It, it may seem as though, because most of us would never welcome trials. We wouldn't welcome the valleys. We don't long for them. We don't, we don't look for them. But it's amazing that sometimes it's in the valley that the Lord shows us the greatest blessings. 
And we really learn the most and grow the most in those places. Just like we heard a moment ago as Pastor Smith was talking uh, about, about Brother Alexander who, who passed away from, from a terrible disease. A disease that I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy, you know. A, a terrible thing. But his testimony was that he, he was closer to God. He was in a better place than he'd ever been before. That God actually used that in his life to bless him in a way that he probably would never have sought for himself. And, and so a valley can be a place of trial. It can be a place of tears. But I want you to notice this as well. And please listen to me. If tonight you are in a trial, if you're in a valley, a valley is not only a place of trial and of tears, but it's also a place of traveling. Notice verse number six. He says, who passing through the valley of Baca. In other words, this isn't a place where you have to live for the rest of your life. Valleys and trials are temporary. You, you travel through, you pass through them. Who passing through the valley of Baca. And the reality is that all trials in this life are temporary. It may not seem that way. Sometimes it might seem like the trials that you're facing are permanent. That you're always going to struggle with these things. That you're, you're always going to have hardships. And certainly there are, there are certain tragedies that come into our lives that we'll never fully recover from. There will always be scars there. But I just want you to know that whatever suffering and, and difficulty you're facing, it is a temporary trial. Even Job, who, who faced the greatest valley probably that any human ever has, there was a day when it began, and there were many days as he walked that road, but there came a day where he once again was able to see and recognize God's goodness and his blessing in his life. There was an end to that. And so if you're here tonight and you feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, I just want you to know there is. And there's a better day coming and, and we'll understand it better by and by. But, but in, in this time, just remember that, that a valley is, is something not to dwell in, but it's a place that we pass through. And there is hope. And so tonight I just want to talk about this, th these valleys a little bit and, and, and really what this psalm has to say about walking through the valleys and how we can get through those times. And so the first thing I want to point out to you is, is this blessed man that, that we see in verse number 5 and, and blessed is the man we see uh, that stated in there. But it, I want you to know, notice the desire of the blessed man. The desire of the blessed man. In verse number one, he says, How amiable are thy tabernacles. That word amiable means to be beautiful or to be something that is to be desired, something that is greatly beloved. And, and he's saying, I, 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 am, I love the Lord's tabernacles. Now, we don't worship the Lord in a tabernacle today. But, but when this was written, that was exactly what, what happened. The altars of the Lord, the, the tabernacle of the Lord, that was the place where people came to meet with God. That was where the presence of God was. And though we today recognize that we have the Holy Spirit living within us, that, that uh, we, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, we, we live in the presence of God. But what, what David is saying here is he's, as he's talking and, 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 and pouring out his heart and, 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 uh, about these valleys, about these trials and difficulties, is that his desire is for the presence of the Lord. Notice verse 2, he says, My soul longeth, 
yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. He said in verse 4, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. In other words, my, my prayer, my desire, what I'm seeking, even in a valley, even at a time of sorrow and trials, I want to be in the presence of the Lord. Folks, I just want to say to you tonight that, that sometimes when you face life's hardest battles, the, the immediate reaction of, of, of our sinful flesh can be to run away from the Lord and run to the things of the, the world and to find comfort and in in, in peace in, in the things of the world. And, and that's why so many people today are, are, are looking for hope and looking for help in things like drugs and alcohol and, and, and sinful relationships and all kinds of different things. They're trying to satisfy an inner longing for peace and for hope but the blessed man, the one who's able to walk through these valleys and still be praising the Lord, is the one that when they face the trials, their response is to look up and to look to the Lord. David is saying, I, I, I want to seek after him. I want to draw nigh unto him during this time. And, and I would say to you tonight that if you are in this place, if you're in a valley, if you're in a trial, don't run away from God, but draw nigh to the Lord. Seek his presence. Grow close to him at this time. Determine that this is an opportunity for you to lift up your eyes to the Lord, to the, to the hills, right? For, from whence cometh your help. Your help comes from the Lord. Psalm 121 talks about that. Look to him for your help. So often we, we, we resort to our own, uh, our own devices, our own ways. The, the minute a, a health problem arises... The first thing we think is, I need to find a doctor who can fix this. Now, I'm not against doctors fixing things. That's a good thing. I'm thankful for modern medicine and, and the help that the Lord has given us in that way. But our first thought should be, I've got a problem. I need the Lord's help. I'm going to cry out to Him first. I've got a financial problem. I'm not going to, my, my hope is not in the banker or the insurance guy. My hope is in the Lord. Now, if the Lord wants to use the banker or the insurance guy to help me through this, he can do that. But, but my hope is in him. My strength is in him. And so I want to draw nigh to the Lord in the middle of my struggles. He is my hope. He's my strength. The psalmist is saying, Lord, I love your presence. I want to be in your presence. His desire was to draw nigh to the Lord, the desire of the blessed man. Then I want you to notice the dependence of the blessed man. He says in, in verse number 3, he says, Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. I get the impression here that the psalmist had been at the tabernacle. Maybe he went there to offer a sacrifice to the Lord, and, and as he was there, maybe something caught his eye. Somewhere... Up underneath one of the altars, a bird had built a nest. And as he looked at that nest and he looked at that bird, he saw a picture, a spiritual truth demonstrated right there, an illustration of a great truth. The sparrow, and especially as you read through the scriptures, the sparrow is a weak and frail and fragile and vulnerable creature. Jesus spoke of, of sparrows how they were 
really of very little value to be bought and sold. He, he, we see how he spoke of how uh, a sparrow doesn't fall from the sky unless the Lord sees him. Why is that? Because the Lord has to keep his eye on these sparrows because the only thing that keeps them alive is, is the Lord. He spoke of the fact that they don't plant crops or, or harvest crops. They just have to live off of whatever the Lord provides for them. And, and I mean, they're, they're just a weak and, and feeble creature. How many of you have ever been driving along and just driven through a, a whole flock of, of birds and maybe hit a couple of them? Anyone ever done that? All right. How many of you lost sleep over that? I didn't. I never have because it's a sparrow. Who cares? Right? Sparrows, raccoons, turtles, cats. Thank you. I'm sorry. Now I got people mad at me. Uh, <laughs> my wife gets mad if I run over a turtle. Man, that's not good. She'll, she'll cry. Oh, that poor turtle. Anyway, but we, we look at sparrows. We think, you know, they're, they're, they're frail. They're vulnerable. They're weak. They're kind of worthless. And yet the God of heaven, the God of the universe, cares enough to allow them to come and find refuge and shelter under his altar. If the sparrow and the swallow can find a nest for herself and, and even to lay her, her eggs there, her young, in the altars of the Lord, I too can find refuge in him. The sparrow and the swallow learn their dependence upon the Lord for protection and shelter. And sometimes in life when we are, when everything is going our way and our circumstances are what we think that they should be and, and we're kind of on that proverbial mountaintop, we really don't see ourselves as vulnerable and, and helpless and needy as we truly are. But when the storms start to come, when we start, when, when we really are in the middle of that valley, that valley of, of weeping and sorrow and trial and difficulty, one thing is for sure, we then realize just how helpless we are. And the good news is that is the time that we learn that we have a refuge in him. We have a place of shelter. We have a place where we can be held. I believe that sometimes God allows us to go through trials and difficulties to teach us to depend upon Him. To teach us that we're really not as strong as we think we are. That we're not really as capable as maybe we have thought in times past that we were. Let's uh, hold our place here, but go over to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is kind of a, a well-known and infamous passage of Scripture here as, as Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh as he describes it. But I want you to notice in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 7, look, look at this. It says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, 
There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. If you stop there for a moment, here's what Paul's saying. The Lord has been so good to use me in my life for his glory that I am in danger of becoming proud and arrogant of his working through me. And so because of the propensity that I would have as a sinful human being to be puffed up in pride or exalted above measure, the Lord actually brought something into my life. He called it a thorn in the flesh. But he says it was the messenger of Satan. The messenger of Satan to buffet him, to afflict him, to cause difficulty for him. And notice that he, he didn't say that this was something that, that, that God forced me into or that God uh, sent my way. The, the, the verbiage he uses, he says, there was given to me. It was the gift of affliction. <laughs> How often do we see affliction as a gift? But, that, but notice he also twice in that same verse described the reason, the purpose behind it. He now is able to see that, that God brought him to a place of weakness so that he could not be prideful to bring him low. Verse number 8, For this thing I besought, past tense, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. In other words, when this first came into my life, I began to look at this affliction and this burden as something that had to go. It couldn't remain here anymore. He said, I, saw, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me, and he said unto me, verse 9, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul, you think that I am bringing this into your life in order to humble you, which is true, to, to cause you difficulty, which is true, but there's a greater purpose in it. I want you to be able to experience the perfect strength and power of God in your life. And you'll never be able to experience the perfect strength of God and power of God in your life so long as you are strong in yourself. If all your circumstances are good, if things are going well, if there's never a problem, if there's never a burden, if there's never a trial, if there's never a valley, you will, you will walk in your own strength and you will never experience my power in your life. Now, I have heard it preached before, and I would never argue with someone too much about this, but I've heard it preached before that the Lord, that, that Paul sought the Lord three times, Lord, please deliver me from this, and all three times God said no. I actually don't see that the Lord said no. Here's what the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. In other words, th this is, you, you can experience 
my sufficient grace in your weakness. And then Paul says, notice this, most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities. My theory, and this is a theory, but because the way it's worded, my theory is I believe that Paul made a conscious choice. I could be delivered from this, but God sent this into my life for a reason. To bring me to a point of weakness so that I could depend upon him. And I'm choosing rather to glory in it. I'm choosing to embrace even the difficulty because, not, not for difficulty's sake, not for trial's sake, not for affliction's sake, I'm choosing to glory in my affliction because I am able to experience the perfect power of God in my life. His all-sufficient grace through my weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon thee. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. <laughs> Paul said, I've learned that the perfect picture of strength is not the, the, the man who uh, is, is a bodybuilder and has muscles in places that others don't even have places. <laughs> That's not the perfect picture of strength. The picture of strength is the person who's dependent upon the Lord. The person who's walking in their own weakness, relying upon the Lord. The person who has learned, just like that sparrow, that without God, I am nothing. And I need to find my refuge and my shelter in Him. I need to make my nest there underneath His altar and just live in the presence of God and let the presence and power of God work through me. That's the person who knows strength. If we go back to Psalm 84, I want you to notice the wording here. In verse number 7, talking about these people who've learned to walk through the valley and still live in the blessings of God. It makes an interesting statement in Psalm 84 and verse 7. It says, they go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. The people walking through this valley, the blessed man who... Who, who, who is walking through this valley is one who goes from strength to strength. You see similar phrasing in a couple different places in the Bible. In the, in the New Testament, it talks about being changed in the image, into the image of the Lord from glory to glory. You ever read that before? And what it's really talking about, when it, it, the context is this. The Old Testament law was a glorious thing. When God gave his law, when he gave his word to Moses on Mount Sinai, the presence of the Lord was there. If you remember, Moses came down off the mountain. His, his face had to be covered with a veil because he'd been in the presence of the Lord. And, and the glory of the Lord was revealed even in the Old Testament law. And, and though the Old Testament law was a glorious thing, it had an imperfection. The law of the Lord is perfect, 
But the imperfection was this. It was, it was imperfect people who tried to apply it, God's perfect law, and imperfect people cannot do that. And so even though the law of the Lord is perfect, God's people and people in general are not perfect, therefore the glory of that law was not able to be fully seen because of sinful people. However, the New Testament concept is this, we have been changed by the forgiveness that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and our, we are now the, the the Holy Spirit lives within us, and we now don't walk by the letter of the Old Testament law. We are to walk by the Spirit of God and walk in obedience to Him. And, and what we have today is greater than what they had back then. Though there was a glory that was revealed, the righteousness of God revealed and all of those things, there was a glory in that. We have a greater glory today. We, we've gone from glory to glory. The, the, the latter glory is greater than the former glory. That's the concept. Romans chapter 1 talks about the, the gospel as Paul says that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. In the very next verse it talks about going from faith to faith. And then it says the just shall live by faith. If you study that out it's interesting Think about it for a moment. When you receive Christ, it's just simple childlike faith, right? You don't have to have great faith to be saved. All you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's just a willingness to turn from sin to Christ. and Believe on Him and you're saved. It doesn't take any great faith. But living by faith, that's a little more challenging, isn't it? <laughs> Living day by day, trusting the Lord, walking in obedience to Him. And so we, we go from faith to faith by the grace of God. We grow in our faith. There is a, a former faith, that faith that brought about salvation, but the faith that we're still living in, still growing in today, is a greater faith than what we used to have. Again, the concept is the latter is greater than the former. Glory to glory, faith to faith. Psalm 84, they go from strength to strength. Before I walk through a valley, it's easy for me to walk in my own strength. I don't have a lot of problem and difficulty getting through each day when things are going well, when everything seems easy, when, when, when I feel good, when, I, when I'm in a good place just mentally, emotionally, physically, when, when things are good in my family, when, when things are good at the, in my workplace. It's not hard for me to walk in my own strength. But when I go through the valley and I realize that I have no strength on my own, then I realize that my strength has to be in the Lord and come from the Lord, and I go from my own strength to His strength, and that's a greater strength than I ever had anyway. While I may be physically weak and emotionally weak and, and struggling, and I realize as I trust in Him... I go from strength to strength. Verse 5, blessed is a man whose strength is in thee. In whose heart are the ways of them? I think that's referring back to the, the sparrow and the swallow and those that dwell in the house of the Lord. Blessed is the man in whose heart are the ways of them who seek their refuge in the Lord. So his desire is the presence of the Lord and his dependence is upon the Lord. 
But I want you to notice his determination, the determination of the blessed man and how you can be blessed even in the valley, even in the trials. Look at verse number 6. Who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. The idea is that the the determination of this blessed man is I'm going to walk through this valley, but on my way through the valley, I'm not just going to do everything I can to get through it and forget that it ever happened. I'm actually going to, to utilize the time that God has me here to make some wells in this place. I mentioned earlier that the trees of this type that, that, that would have been uh, more like weeping trees, weeping trees. Uh, trees that would bend low, that, that word baca often described, they, they grow in dry and, and desert and arid places. And yet, here's this man who's walking through this valley, and, and it says that the rain also filleth the pools, and it's as though he's being rained down upon. Now, it may seem contradictory, but imagery can be that way sometimes. Dry places are difficult places, but rain often symbolizes difficulty too, doesn't it? When it rains, it pours. And usually we, we're, we're not talking about good things when that happens, right? Maybe you're, you went outside one morning and, and you went to start the car and it wouldn't start. So then you decided you're going to take your wife's car and it had a flat tire. And then, you know, and then something happened that your, your kid fell and twisted their ankle and now you got a doctor bill on top of all this and... And, and then there's layoffs at work, and you go, oh, man, when it rains, it pours. <laughs> it, we're, we're talking about that, the, the raining down of difficulties on us. But it's almost as though he's saying here, when, when this person is passing through this valley of weeping, he's digging out some wells or some pools there so that the rain that's falling down on his head can bless someone else who comes through a dry place later. That, that there, he's actually taking advantage of an opportunity to collect some water, that the, the rain would actually fill some pools. And the idea is this, this man is passing through the Valley of Baca. He's not there, he's not the first one to go through it. And he won't be the last one to go through it. And the reality is, whatever you might be facing today, you're not the first person to face it, you're not alone. Many have walked this road before. And I can guarantee you, if, if the Lord doesn't return sometime very soon, you won't be the last to walk through this valley. There will be others who come behind. And it's possible that the Lord is allowing you to walk through a valley like this because He wants you to be able to turn around and bless someone else in their difficulty, in their trial. Sunday night, Jedediah talked about their opportunities there in Wentzville. One of the things that he mentioned is a family that they now have an open door with because that family lost a child to miscarriage. The reason that they have a greater open door than someone else might is because they themselves walked that valley not long ago. And they're able to empathize and they're able to relate and they're able to minister in a way that others probably could not. 
And the reality is, folks, that sometimes God will allow us to go through these situations, through these difficulties, though we wouldn't choose them for ourselves, but because he knows that someone else is going to walk this road someday, and they're going to need someone who's going to be able to come alongside of them and, and help them and encourage them and pray for them and, and, and help them walk through. And so when we're in these struggles, when we're in these valleys, we can't just turn inward and be selfish and just, just think of ourselves and how can I get through this? We need to think, Lord, teach me what you want me to learn and use me to help someone else in this time. I knew someone years ago uh, who was diagnosed with cancer. This was a saved individual. The tests were still being run and, and nothing was definite, but the prognosis wasn't looking good. Because this person was saved, they, were, they knew that they were on their way to heaven, and, and honestly, they handled this very, very well. But one of the things that happened, I'm assuming this is a fairly common thing, but because of the diagnosis, they were given different pamphlets of information and, and things of what to expect. And one of the things that they were presented with was information on support groups for people who are facing similar things. And this Christian individual who was facing that initially thought, well, I don't need something like that. I'm, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm okay. I'm not, I'm not depressed. I'm not discouraged. I'm ready. But after a few days went by, they actually talked to me and said, you know, I think I should probably be part of a support group like that. Not for me, but for some other people who don't have the same hope that I have. And maybe I can speak some, some, some words of encouragement and, and, and get the gospel to them. Maybe the Lord is actually allowing me to go through this so that I can reach some people that I otherwise couldn't reach. Wouldn't it be interesting if we would, maybe in the times where we're facing so many difficulties, it's easy to just look at ourselves and our lives and say, I've got to focus on me, I've got to focus on these things. But wouldn't it be great if, if we could look outward and say, okay, Lord, who can I help? How, how do you want to use this in my life to be a blessing to someone else and, and encourage someone else and help someone else who's walking through this difficulty? 2 Corinthians chapter 1 Verse number 3 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And then it says in verse 4, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now, that's kind of a mouthful. But here's what he's saying. We have tribulations, we have difficulties, but you know what? We get to experience the comfort that comes from the God of all comfort. We're able to experience the peace that comes from the God of all peace, the Prince of Peace, the, the, the one who gives peace not as the world giveth. And as we experience that, we're reminded that the reason and the purpose that we're experiencing this is not just so that we can go to bed at night and, and, and have a fuzzy feeling inside and say, God, thank you for being so good to me, though I'm going to do that. 
but I am, I am to take what God has given me and turn around and find someone else who's hurting and find someone else who's struggling and reach out to them and try and help them and give them some of the comfort that God has given to me. I don't know what you're facing tonight, but I do know this. God makes no mistakes. And even valleys have a purpose. And tonight, if you are struggling, and I know to varying degrees, everyone in here has burdens that you carry. But some are far greater than others. As you're walking through this valley of weeping, this place of trial and tears, I just want to encourage you, turn to the Lord. Look to Him. Seek His presence. Seek to, to, to draw close to Him. Learn to depend upon Him. Living each day in His strength and not your own. Walking, Lord, help me. Help me to know what to do and what to say and what the next step is in, in everything. Lord, help me learn to depend upon Him, but also be determined. You're not going to waste the experience that God has brought into your life, but that you want to find His purpose in it. You want Him to make you what He wants you to be. And that you want to reach out and help someone else as they go through their valley.